Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Leland. And I'm Kat. Yes, listener, once again, I don't know how we do it. Probably it's because we have the blacked out uh, old Chevy van, but we were able to kidnap a host, or sorry, a guest host uh, once again, running quite a string of having guests here, which is, is pretty sweet. But yeah, I think we've got a pretty cool guest uh, today, Cat from the you know well-titled Catman Mods. Uh, we'll get into that, but someone unlike we've ever had on the show before who uh, mods video game systems. So we're going to get into that and that community and his his history there. But uh, hey, welcome aboard, Cat. Thank you. I was brought here forcefully. I'm tied up right now, so <laughs> I'll try my best under distress. <laughs> you know, that's how we get the best performance, I find. Under duress. <laughs> Just loosen the zip ties a little bit. They hurt. <laughs> okay, we'll loosen them. We'll loosen them. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, it's good. I mean, we've, we've got a little bit of video games going today. We've got some Nick Cage, which, you know, I don't think we touch on enough because, you know, as the seasons come and go, so should Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it really doesn't work <laughs> but uh boys you know what hey why not uh you know actually first of all uh, you know b- before we jump into banter uh because we always try to give two plugs um so catman will explain more about your uh, modding business uh later but uh where can people find you okay well i'm uh, i got a page on facebook at uh, catman mods i also got an instagram account same name at catman mods um you know just a few pictures on there right now a few things anytime i have anything for sale i throw them up on there so if you want to check that out awesome thanks cat so yeah let's let's jump into the banter segment here as the guest there cat do you have any pop culture news any nugget you want to bring up you definitely have to check out the second season of the umbrella academy i don't know if you've seen the first but the first blew me away and i just i actually stayed up till like one in the morning last night finishing the second season and it's uh it's pretty good blew my mind probably better than the first season did and and then of course they leave it on a hanger at the end to suck you right in to the next season Uh. of course right yep What's what's that show about? It's kind of like a, I'd say, it's like a misfit sci-fi like hero movie almost. Yeah, I believe it's uh, it's based off of a graphic novel, and the premise is, on a singular day, there's like fifty of these kids born. Some eccentric billionaire bought seven of them and raised them, and they have superpowers. And basically, he raised them in this Umbrella Academy to one day stop the apocalypse stop the apocalypse exactly yeah that's basically it yeah okay actually season two yeah i mean that was the banter i had too season two is awesome i love season two much more than season one oh yeah i I was actually talking about that today and i i think that season two took the cake which usually it doesn't it doesn't right any show you watch it's going to be the first season is always better than the second but it they definitely compounded on it and made it a lot better i agree i agree i mean Season one was a strong showing for that show. I mean, when I remember when that when the season one dropped, it was everyone was talking about it. Season two is really cool. The soundtrack is so fucking good for season two. Oh, oh my absolutely, God, yeah, I agree. Oh, so good. Uh, th- there are a f- there are a few like plot contrivances, that, uh, you know, things that you just kind of like. Uh, okay, that's pretty cliche, but 
Um, few and far between and enough to really, they're, they're very clearly put in there just to, to move the show along, to get to some type of, you know, the next action piece kind of thing in some instances. Sometimes, though, it just it felt like they were just kind of trying to wash their hands of some of what happened in season one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, to further this story and not have to dwell on on it all. Um, yeah, no, season two, I agree. Season two is awesome. I, I kind of liked how they didn't touch on too much of the story that you want to know, like a lot of shows do. They kind of fed you tiny bits here and there instead yeah. of just getting right to what you want to know. And it's still at the end of the season two, I'm like, I, I have so many questions that were unanswered even from the first season and they didn't finish them. They're just kind of throwing a little bit out here and there to keep you hooked to it, I guess. Yeah, that's true. It's almost like they don't have to finish them either. It's, yeah, it's 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 a good show, Moby. If you haven't seen it at all, I would certainly recommend it. Yep, me too. You have to watch it, 100%. Well, you you guys know me. I mean, I'm a bit of a geek, and I've, I've known Cap for a few years, but uh, Leland for much longer. So, Leland, you know me, and you're, if you recommend it, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Give it a shot. Uh, what platform is it on? Amazon, Netflix? Netflix. Where can I find this? Definitely Netflix, yeah. That's awesome. And Leland, was that legit your That banter? was legit my banter, yeah. Wow, this has actually never happened before. <laughs> I, I was either that it was between that or I was gonna throw out that there's a new Crash Bandicoot game coming out at the end of the year, and that's a huge thing. It's about time is literally the name of the, the game. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty that's excited awesome. about that. Of course, like that's what I play mainly on these handhelds I build is Crash Bandicoot, so I'm pretty stoked for a new uh, segment in the series right after all this time that's awesome yeah my banter is is not umbrella um <laughs> my 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 banter is a little bit different than normally though where i, I normally just share like a full-on piece of news it's more a lesson that i've learned so as listener knows I have collected a few video games over the years um, that I believe would be good high-value investments. So I bought them specifically to resell and make money off of. And in 2013, I may have uh, mentioned this before on the show, because we've been doing this for so long, uh, that I bought uh, Clay Fighter 63 and a third Sculptor's Cut, which is the rarest Nintendo 64 game. It was never sold in stores. Every Blockbuster location got one copy for rent. And so it's rare, but also the copies are typically in absolutely horrific shape with all the labels ripped off and Blockbuster stickers that you can't remove and like marker markers saying, you know, this is the MK109 copy or some shit like that. But my copy was the best copy I've ever seen uh, up until this time. I'd had no marking, no sticker residue at all, and the label was in fantastic shape. It was clean. It worked perfect. So I bought it for 500 I specifically bought it at the time. I was willing to spend almost anything because this was right before retro video game kind of retro gaming got quite uh, popular. I was willing to spend anything to buy the best copy I could find. This copy came up, bought it for 500 bucks Canadian. Waited eight years, tried to put it on the market a few times, but it never passed my reserve. And uh, finally, I put it on the market about a month ago with an $800 reserve. It ended up selling for a grand, which was kind of the minimum I wanted. So I was like, okay, okay, got $1,000 for a video game. 
It makes it seem like, you know, if I tell people that when I collect games, like, oh, you won't make any money. I'll say, well, I sold one for a thousand with no case, no manual, just the cartridge. The problem is, and why I'm bringing this up, is eBay. So I sold this for $1,000, and I was immediately hit with a $32 fee. And to this moment, I don't know where that fee went, whether it was eBay or PayPal or what. I don't think it was PayPal. I think it was eBay. But I got hit with a $32 fee. Next, for the money to just go into my PayPal, it cost me like $40. And then after that, eBay takes a cut based off the value of the cartridge or what the, you know, the sale, but in this case, the cartridge, which was $110. So suddenly I'm looking around and the shipping, and this was my fault, but the shipping ended up being uh, $20 more um, than I just randomly budgeted and made the the buyer pay for. So by the time this got done, if if you do up the math, I was out like... $200, $200, actually slightly more than $200. I think it was like 220 from that $1,000. Oh, wow, that's sale. like that's like 25% of your of your it sale. Was. That's half of your profits. That is half of my profit. That hurts. And it hurt big. I don't regret selling it, but I do regret getting only that much for it. You know, it's sitting for 8 years and only coming out 350 bucks richer for it. I mean, it's not like it's a plant. I didn't have to water the damn thing or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, there's no additional effort you put into <laughs> no that maintenance, growth, right? <laughs> but I mean, I I played it a few times just because I could. Like, there's there's a lot of um, characters in that game that could never exist in 2020. There's like a lot of uh, you know, there's a racial stereotype. There's a stereotype of like a homeless guy. Like he's always drunk. Oh, so you're saying it's not very politically correct at all. It's not politically correct. (laughs) No. But uh, hey, it's rare and it's valuable. Um, So my point is this. If you want to double your money and you're going to sell on eBay, because eBay is still a very good platform to get people to check it out and whatever. If you want to double your money, then you have to sell when you expect like your gross to... I I always mix up gross and net. You netted less than what you thought you were going to get. (laughs) okay that's right netted i did net less than what i thought so you want your gross to be three times if you want to double your money because you're gonna have to account for that much fees so you've you've sold stuff on ebay before has it always been this 11 percent that they take from the sale they must have changed it because the first rare video game I sold was Bomberman's second attack for N64 again. It was probably, it's probably the second or third rarest game uh, for the system. I, that was like a year and a half ago. I got 175 for the cartridge, but I mean, it was mint. And I think I probably only cleared about 140 on that. It might've even been less. It might've been like 130. So the percentage might be similar, but it might be, I noticed it less because it was right, a lower value. A high, yeah, because you're selling a higher value. You know, it's funny, like, it seems to me that eBay is, like, antiquated these days. I was going to say that. I was going to hop in and say, like, I've never actually sold on eBay. And, like, I'm, you know, pretty into what's going on on Instagram and stuff when it comes to, like, retro games and and modding. 
And that seems to be the platform to sell things right now is Instagram. Really? I don't think it's entirely really? legal, but like I, I, I might have told Moby here here there that I do raffles on Instagram once once in a while to get rare consoles. And and that is growing like huge. It's blown up. I actually just won one the other day. And uh, also there's a lot of retro gaming like collectors that are selling things just like just post them on Instagram and say, you know, send me an offer or $300 for this cartridge, 200 for this. And, and every time I look at those posts, somebody has claimed it and said, claim like that's wow. mine. I'll, I'm buying it. And they just do a private sale, you know, off of Instagram, but as an advertising platform, oh, interesting. It, it it's huge. It's blown up like a lot. I actually do that. Like every time I have one of my systems here, I throw it up on Instagram, not saying that anyone has ever bought one on Instagram. It usually ends up being local for me. That's the easiest thing, but um, you know, they're all over the place, especially if you follow the right people, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I'm glad you brought that up because, it, you know, for listener, if you are planning to sell, maybe look into an alternative platform. eBay would seem to be the obvious one because it's been around so long. But when you're talking a 25% hit, um, it hurts. Yeah, that, that definitely hurts, man. I was I was kind of getting a little shaky when you were talking about all those numbers adding up. It's like, man, that would that would really hurt. Yeah, it was a disappointment. So, um, like I said, I've got several other games that I'm uh, I'm I'm maturing like a fine wine <laughs> in the cask of time. Um, and once time has seasoned these games, uh, I am not going to try to sell them on eBay. I will try to give uh, either Instagram a shot. Uh, just to say what the hey, or even try Facebook Marketplace and see what I can do. I'm I'm kind of like that too with uh, some of my handhelds, you know. Like, but I have, I keep buy them, and then hold on to them, saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna sell them," and then I just keep them. Like, <laughs> I want to yeah, save yeah, them yeah. for myself. I bought a Neo Geo Pocket Color probably about eight years ago in the box, uh, like a Japanese version. And I bought it for $90, and the same thing now is already going on eBay for about 400 in the box, but I don't really wow. I don't really want to get rid of it. <laughs> it's one yeah. of those things I want to keep my hands on. Yeah, because like at what point is the profit enough over how, how you just want to like have it and own it? <laughs> for, for me, the profit is never enough. Like yeah. it's almost a sickness how many handhelds I have sitting in in this drawer here. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, why don't we move on to the video game variety show then? Sure. Which is of course our segment that will feature our guest cat here and get into more of why we've invited you on. Moby is titled mod this. So yeah. what is, sorry, go ahead, Moby. You want to lead? No, I was just going to say, if you don't get mod this, it's just a stupid reference to the matrix. When Neo takes <laughs> says, his gun and this. Or no, Trinity, Trinity takes says the it, gun yeah. and goes up to the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the agent goes, mod this. That's where I was coming from. <laughs> so what is Catman Mods? Well, uh, really, it's just kind of something I threw together over the last like month. I have been you know, playing around with handhelds and modding and soldering and all that fun stuff for a long time. But over, I think it was probably about a month ago, I thought I might as well just start generating some money out of this i guess instead of just playing around and sinking all my money into it maybe get a little bit back so i i basically just work on one of the big things i've been doing right now is psps which are very underrated especially in this day and age i actually sold one to moby here and he can probably compound on how 
they are pretty fantastic little systems and they're easy to find too right yeah it was uh it was really cool it's it's kind of a fun story because i remember it was like the you know you just walked up beside me and you're like hey moby you know like i've got this psp or i've got a few like take a look at this do you want to buy one i'm like yeah sure i'll take the blue one you're like, wow, that's easy. <laughs> kind of like a pusher, eh? I just sneak up behind it. Hey, hey, man, you want to you wanna maybe buy a PSP? Well, the thing is, because you had shown me this cool shit that you had worked on before, before Catman Mods was a thing, or I knew it was a thing. And yeah, I thought they were cool, but I wasn't going to be like, hi, can I see that and own it? Like, I'm not, you know, Putin when, when that Patriots owner showed him the Super Bowl ring and Putin just walked out with it. Uh, it it's, uh, it's, not, it's not my PSP. It's not our the, PSP. That's it. That's it. Um, but what's really cool is when I talk to you about it, see, I, I never owned, I was never really into handhelds at all. Um, I own a Switch, but I keep it docked almost all of the time. But when you were talking to me about this thing, you're like, Oh yeah, you know, I can do PS1, it can do turbo graphics. I was like, what? I was like, you're gonna put a huge library of turbo graphics on this thing? And you're like, oh yeah, but with all this other stuff too. It's like very versatile, to be honest. And and before we go too far, I kinda wanted to touch on a little backstory of why I even Sure. Why I'm so obsessed with these things. So growing up, my mom thought that video games and, you know, Harry Potter, Pokemon, all that cool stuff was basically the devil. So I wasn't <laughs> allowed it in my house at all. I remember like the first handheld I ever had was I traded my lunch for a week for a game boy like with no battery cover beat to crap no front lens and with the mega man x2 cartridge (laughs) and i used to hide it in a sock in my drawer because if she found it that was you know that was it and it never really got any better than that but of course now i'm a full-fledged adult making adult money and adult decisions and i probably have like i'm gonna say 50 handhelds sitting around my house and it's like look at me now mom check it out i got them all right (laughs) chuck them at her like ninja stars (laughs) dodge this oh look i i made the mod this and the dodge this and i didn't even plan that (laughs) that's awesome so so cat like how how did you get into modding and if there's a, a middle part of this story then get into that but how did you get into actually modding this this stuff? Well, I always been tinkering with stuff. Like since I was, you know, younger, I'd always like to take everything apart. And uh, I, I had only really gotten a handheld just a little while ago. I'm gonna say probably like two or three years ago. And I I didn't really just start modding them. I was kind of taking them apart and then wondering what I could do to improve them. And the real thing that hit was Game Boys. Like I love Game Boys. Everybody loves a Game Boy, but the screens suck. Like, they really do. doesn't matter if you have a Pocket, a regular Game Boy, anything that before the SP, which, to be honest, I the clamshell design, I just don't like it. it it's not very handheldy. I don't like to play with it. It's, ah, I don't like it. But any of the ones before that never had a backlit screen. And that's kind of how I started diving into the scene online, was looking into improvements. Um, you know, one of the first ones was a front light where it's just a piece of acrylic with a light diffuser in it and you just placed it in front of the Game Boy Color screen. You know, it didn't look great, but you could play it in the dark, right? 
which is yeah. what everybody wants. And that's where I where I kind of started was thinking about modding my own Game Boys. And yeah, it kind of blew up from there unpredictably. And now I kind of mod them all. <laughs> that's awesome. So it, like is there a culture is there a subculture oh, for modding absolutely. portables out there there is it's huge like i was saying instagram's probably one of the biggest platforms for that not really anything else like it's massive there's a couple stores um you know online stores around that sell all those parts a big one is actually in canada which is retro modding i'm going to shout them out a little bit here um they're in quebec and they they have all the different kits that you can like a lot of this if you're technically you know apt you can do it yourself um, as long as you know a little bit of soldering, how to use a screwdriver, which is pretty basic. But uh, they, they've got all those screen kits and a lot of the custom shells. And it's kind of a little bit of a subculture, a little niche market. Not everybody wants to pour $200 into a handheld from the 80s, but there is a little <laughs> bit of a market there. <laughs> I mean, you've shown me some pretty cool uh, handhelds there. Wasn't there that... Was it Pokemon Game Boy you got that you were pretty happy about? Yeah, you know, another another find with, with Marketplace, actually. It was, I paid really, really not what it was worth at all, but it was a, uh, a original shell Pokemon edition Game Boy Color. And just uh, probably about four or five years ago, the market was flooded with all these fake shells where they look exactly the same, but there's small dimension changes and it just... It doesn't feel the same, and so it's mm. really hard to find one that's actually an original. And I picked it up, yeah, for like forty bucks. It blew my mind. Came with some rechargeable batteries too, so which basically paid for the whole system. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. So you started with acrylic screens, right? Yeah, just with just with a front light. That's the first thing I did. I bought a, a Game Boy Color and and decided I was gonna try to mod it. And I tried a front light and failed miserably. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're they're tricky. They you got to use loco, which is a, a liquid optically clear adhesive, and it anything gets stuck in there if you don't cure it properly. You actually got to use a UV lamp. So you're taking the LCD screen out of the Game Boy and then taking this piece of plastic. They have both have to be very clean. Spreading this like it's very very uh, thin like adhesive and it just kind of pulls and then you stick it together and uv cure it and it obviously i did something wrong because it just didn't work properly i think i had to try and open it and close it and take it apart again probably three or four times and yeah it, it is currently sitting in a box i'm pointing at the box right now it's where all the parts go to die so it's done oh, <laughs> you've got your own boneyard yeah i do definitely have a boneyard more than i'd like there's stuff everywhere so Something kind of close to my heart, and this is also so listener knows what you actually do. We've talked a little bit about Game Gear, which is like the one handheld I did grow up with. You, uh, they have notoriously faulty capacitors. So didn't you tell me that as like oh yeah standard when you're setting up a Game Gear, you're always replacing the capacitors for the customer? Those things are. I've done a few of those. They're it's it's difficult. It stinks. Like, cause you're, you've got all the, like all the fluid of the capacitors, probably about after 20 to 25 years, older capacitors just go like there's some in my car, even, you know, my car is 29 years old. There's some capacitors in there that'll go. And, uh, they, they just leak everything all over the board. If you don't get it to it quick enough, 
you know, it does cause a little bit of corrosion. So sometimes when, you know, you get a customer's, like if I pick up a customer's game gear and take a look inside, there's no saving it. Oh, man. For the most part, you just got to burn it all off, put in new capacitors, and uh, that fixed probably about 95% of the issues. It's a, it's right. a lengthy job, but... It sounds tedious. Why would someone want you to mod their game gear of all handheld systems? Like if they could, if they, if they could bring you any handheld, I mean, if you could put whatever game you want in them, why would? They? Well, see, that's that's the thing is it's a little when it comes to like the original hardware, like yeah. with the PSP, that's a little bit newer. You can put on custom applications and homebrew, okay, and okay. you can run whatever you want. You get an older like you know pre two thousands handheld like the Game Gear or. Um, you know, Game Boy, Game Boy Color. You can't just put whatever games you want on it. So the modding is more focused on the hardware to improve it. I see. I got you. Okay. Like sound mods. Uh, a lot of the Game Gear and the Game Boy Color, they you can add in like an audio amp, like a very rudimentary audio amp inside the casing so that it actually, and a better speaker that gives you more sound instead of, you know, you can barely hear it. You got to crank the volume up all the way and hold it right up to your face. Okay, I got you. So it's not like you're just taking any old handheld and like turning into an emulator, basically. You're doing all sorts of improvements. Yeah, there's it's all kind of on both sides of it, you know, hardware mm-hmm. improvements, software improvements. You can there is a lot of uh, you know they they're called flash carts, which are available, and I think I've shown Moby that at one point. I have one uh, that I bought from uh, Ben Venn who's an armchair engineer in Australia. I'm going to shout him out a little quickly here. He does a lot of the screen mods and reverse engineers those uh, old handhelds. I have a couple of his products actually here. And that's how you get that better screen. Mm -hmm. And he has a, uh, it's called the El Cheapo flash cart. Cost me about 50 bucks. And you can load all your ROMs onto that cart and plug it into the original hardware to play ROMs off of the actual Game Boy instead of, you know, through an emulator on your computer or a PSP or whatever. Right, which is, right, right. It's the best way to play a game is on the original hardware, right? That's, That's why I have all these things sitting around here and not just, you know, one emulator system because it's just better to have the original hardware in your hands, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, man. And Leland, I mean, it's like a classic car, right? Like Game Gear to some people is a classic car with that beautiful screen. I have never holding. heard somebody compare a Game Gear to a classic car. <laughs> Come on, baby. I'll let, it, I'll let it go. That's good. 69 Mustang. You know, well, so hey, it's beautiful. The it's Game beautiful. Gear was one of the first consoles to have a backlit screen that you could play, you know, when you're supposed to be asleep. You could play underneath the covers in your bed without having to have one of those dumbass worm lights. So Yeah. And I mean, hey, I mean, you know, yeah, we're about 20, 28 minutes into the, the podcast. So, yeah, all six AA batteries would have been drained on the game. <laughs> I was literally, yes. that was my next question is, are you putting in better power supplies for these things? You're putting in an ACTC adapter right into the fucking thing or what's going on? <laughs> right into your heart. Yeah, right. Bioelectricity. You know what I didn't know was that there's actually a tiny <laughs> fluorescent tube lighting that screen. Like a high voltage fluorescent oh. tube behind the Game Gear screen, and that that is why is that it kills the batteries. It? Oh, yeah, it's like wow. one of the ones you have in the ceiling, right? <laughs> right, right, it's, right. It's unbelievable that they were able to jam that in there. They were really trying to win the handheld race with <laughs> with that kind of technology. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You can replace them with a with a little LED light board, and it it improves your battery life to. Well, instead of three hours, you get like 16. So it's, sure, it's sure. the only thing that's doing it is that tiny little though. tube. Yeah. 
Sega notoriously bought out a bunch of Duracell stocks before putting out the Game Gear onto the market. So they got a boon from that, regardless of how well the Game Gear sold. <laughs> they got all that battery stock money. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. I, I don't want to digress too much, but I, I do have my favorite Game Gear story was like Christmas of, I think, 1995. It was my... My parents get my brother a Game Gear and then they, you know, oh, Sonic, that's a good Sega game. They bought him Sonic, except they bought him Sonic for the Genesis. And I remember opening it up because my brother had opened it up. So I have this honking cartridge that's about the size of the console. And I look at my dad. I'm like, dad, click, 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 tapping it together. I'm like, you made a friggin' mistake here, dad. <laughs> so he had to go back on Boxing Day to... Yeah, I that that was another thing, man, with the Game Gear. I, my cousins had one. I could never have a Game Gear. Now I've got two. So, um, I want to go. So one thing I really liked about you, and, and listeners should keep this in mind. So when I purchased uh, the PSP from you, you're like, "Hey, do you want any custom stuff? Like, what games do you want on?" And there was a game called Front Mission Three for the PlayStation One. You're like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll tee that up front and center." So I really like how you can customize the product, at least the PSP for. Uh, the customer. Um, it, it's been a great experience. I think I, I took a picture and sent it to Leland and some buddies of me playing Shockman for Turbo Graphics on it. I just had an absolute ball. It worked uh, perfect. Sound, music, great. But I guess what my question is, like for a PSP like the one I bought off you, what's kind of are there any basic mods you do to it or basic cleaning or anything like that? Well, it's it really it depends on the shape, right? Like a lot of these things, when I pick them up, they're in poor shape. Right. People abuse them. They never put them in a case. Like when I buy something, I put a screen protector on it and I buy a case like my switch. I got uh, first thing I did, like I didn't leave the store without it. And some people just don't have that mentality. And it drives me nuts because they just beat the (laughs) crap out of stuff. Cars, too. But that's the first thing to go is usually a shell replacement. So um, PSPs, it's a little spotty trying to bring those in. Um, The quality can be a little subpar. Just because most of that aftermarket stuff comes out of China. But uh, that, yeah, full cleaning and then the parts getting swapped out. New battery. Definitely a new battery. I don't know if you guys saw, but in the last, I think it was two weeks ago, PSP battery was trending on Twitter. Because everybody was realizing that uh, their 15-year-old handhelds, the batteries were swelling and breaking the battery doors. Oh, wow. It was a huge thing. Yeah. It's, I, I saw that post and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's kind of standard. Like everybody knows this, but I guess the rest of the world had no idea. <laughs> They're not living in where, <laughs> living where I am, right? Yeah. So like Kat, at home, do you even have any like full-on big consoles like that are not portable? I have an Xbox One that I use for Netflix. That's, uh, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, wow. that's about all the Xbox One's good for. I was only in, like, always in consoles. Like, I like playing games, and then I dropped off and realized that I just like it better when I can hold it in my hand. So I really don't play any games unless it's a handheld, which is a little bit of a self-plug because I sell handhelds. But I, I like them better. You know, you can play it wherever, right? You can play it when you're taking a shit. You can play it when you're at work. You can play it in your bed. Like, you don't have to worry about plugging it in. Don't need a TV. Leland, you can... You you can play when you're taking a shit, Leland. It's like half your day. <laughs> you found you found you found home. Well, hey, Leland, I got a I got a couple PSPs sitting here on my desk right now. So if you want to play more video games when you're taking a shit, 
and give me a shout. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, we're all getting older. You got to get in that video game time any any chance you get. <laughs> Every chance you can get. <laughs> well, if you make him a God of War edition, the guy would. Do hey, there you dumb. go. Le- Leland absolutely. I, I have a God of War edition, but it's mine. And I'm keeping uh, it. <laughs> I, I try and keep one of everything, to be honest. If I get something that I haven't had, as much as I'd like to, you know, flip it or sell it or turn it into something else or someone, I usually try and keep one of everything. Sure. I mean, you're, you're a collector too, right? Yeah, I like to kind of call myself a collector a little bit. I think a lot of collectors don't realize they're a collector until they look around and they have a collection. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just described my situation to a T. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, I've got like 50 handhelds here. I guess I really am collecting them. Oh uh, yeah. Um, you you would do repairs, right? Like people, if they you know could possibly mail in handhelds for diagnosis and repair, you like mods only? No, I I do everything. Like that's probably one of the first couple customers I had. Um, I had a guy. Uh, actually a repeat customer. I sold him a backlit and biverted uh, Game Boy Pocket, which I, I think is probably one of the best ways to play original Game Boy games. It's uh, we, we can get into it later. It's a pretty risky operation to do a backlit bivert mod on those, but uh, he bought one for me, loved it, and then he brought a Game Gear to me and said, hey, my Game Gear is busted. Fix it. And I did what we talked about earlier, but like with PSPs as well, I've got a nice stock of parts laying around from you know either systems i picked up things that aren't working i've swapped out old parts um and and i do do that i've done it for a couple guys they like hey my psp screen is broken can you fix it yep pop one in no problem my x button's sticky well it's because you've been playing too much psp i'll put a new one in there that kind of stuff <laughs> but yeah it, it, nothing's, too nothing's too small right <laughs> yeah there you go leland taking too many shits <laughs> Jamming that X button too much. (laughs) Challenges in modding. Is it like relatively easy to learn or what have you found challenges as you've kind of been learning how to do this thing? Well, really the number one challenge I would say right now is just due to the whole, uh, I'm not going to say it just in case we get demonetized, but the, the current world situation in quotes it's a, it's a, a huge bitch to get parts from anywhere like i i picked up a couple 3ds's and 2ds's and i'm waiting it's been like three weeks i'm waiting for a digitizer like just a it's like probably the weight of a friggin' penny and it comes in a little bubble mailer but i'm not gonna see it for the next month yeah ordering anything from japan for parts or sometimes when i make custom consoles to sell to people like you a great place to get those is junk consoles from japan um and you know they either have a burnt out screen which you're going to be replacing anyways or you know it looks like somebody put it through a wood chipper and the shell is just completely destroyed and those are the best and and just because of yeah what's going on in the world right now it's pretty hard to tap into those parts sources which I would say, yeah, is the the absolute worst challenge that I've had to deal with on this. The actual modding is not too bad. Hardware can be a little finicky, just like phones. Like I couldn't could never work on phones. Those things are crazy. All those tiny little ribbon connectors. But PSPs, um, Game Boys are probably. You know, I'm not gonna try and unplug myself, but I feel like with the right uh, tools, a six year old could open a Game Boy. They're pretty rudimentary. It's like one circuit board, <laughs> five buttons, and that's it. So maybe six screws. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for being respectful of our monetization. (laughs) I don't want to take any money off the table, guys. Absolutely not. (laughs) So it's okay. We have a very lucrative uh, Patreon. So we get all our funding through that. And now time for today's sponsor, Catman Mods. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're you're welcome to contribute. (laughs) Um, anyways, Leland, what questions do you have? I, I feel like I've been, been uh, cornering, oh, cornering you. No, I just it's, it's super cool to hear you talk about this industry that I've had. I've had. I've never had anything to do with anything like that. I mean, I am so not the person to be wanting to you want to fuck around with electronics whatsoever. I mean, although although in my time, I will say to my to my own credit. My old, old, old PS2, big boy. I opened that sucker up half a dozen times when it stopped working and it started going every time I put it back together. So I, I extended the longevity yeah, of that thing's that life works. for that a long ass time. <laughs> I didn't even know what I did. I just popped the case, filled it with some stuff, put the case back on, and it started working again. So. Well, it loved you so much when you gave it to me, you rejected living at my house. So <laughs> yeah. I had to throw in the garbage pretty quick. Well, a big one was those uh, the red rings, right, on the, yeah, uh, the Xbox 360. 360. I yeah. remember fixing that with a with a heat gun I stole from work and a twelve dollar kit I got off of eBay, and it actually worked. <laughs> really? Yeah, you, because basically, I guess they overheat and the solder mm-hmm. on the CPU flows out of where it needs to be. So basically, the instructions in very broken English were: take off this bracket turn the whole board upside down and blast it with a heat gun. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what do you mean blast it with a heat gun? Like, is this actually going to work? And I guess it gets it hot enough that it reflows back into the CPU and it worked. Really? I felt really strange just sitting outside, you know, outside my house with a heat gun, like barbecuing a board from an Xbox 360, (laughs) but hey, it worked. Just blowing dry (laughs) on my console. (laughs) Yeah, just cleaning it off. Got a little wet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) such is the world i guess of self repairs i think i think everybody should at least kind of get into it you know like it doesn't matter if it's consoles or you know your tv or whatever before you throw it out and buy something new you should definitely take a crack at it especially with what they have online right now right yeah it's pretty easy there's there's something to be said about being self-sufficient in a variety of areas right like even if it's just the most basic shit I, I definitely agree with you. What, um, I mean, I hear Moby in our notes here has a, a, a note about the Switch. He poses the question whether or not the Switch is moddable, but I'm just kind of also curious about your opinion of the Switch in general as, you know, this this cross that does a very good job, admittedly, despite my feelings about Nintendo in general, does a very good job of being a home console and a handheld. Well, you know what? Number one, I'm going to say Nintendo are basically a bunch of reptilian overlords. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that that wow. aside, yeah. I do really like the Switch, but I'll, I'll touch on what I said about handhelds before. I spent a lot of money on the Switch after it came out, played it for too long for on a few games, and then it just sat there. Yeah, the, the two games dust. that it has. I, I didn't like, there's a couple things I just didn't like about the Joy-Cons. I hated them, you know, that they, they disconnected randomly, at least on my Switch. And I had a huge issue with that. I'd be playing in handheld mode because, well, I love handhelds and that's all I really play. And they would just disconnect randomly. 
That being said, I shelved it and then recently actually bought a Switch Lite and it I love it. I I think it's the best one of the best handhelds that you can buy. Other wow. than, you know, having to actually pay for the games because Nintendo Reptilian Overlords, they make it very difficult for you to steal from them. So <laughs> <laughs> Those masters. I know, right? <laughs> Protecting their investment. How dare they? I can't believe they would do that. So what what is the size difference between the light and the and the regular switch? Um, you know what? I'd say if you took a PS Vita, I don't know if you guys have ever played a PS Vita before. I've never had no. one in my hand physically. It's a it's a little bit bigger than the uh than a PSP. Okay. Take one of those and stretch it out hot dog style a little bit. It would be about the same size as a Switch Lite. It, I would say, like, do you guys own Switches? Do you have both have one? Or yep, I don't. Uh, Leland would not own a Nintendo product if, like, life itself <laughs> was going to be sucked out of this. So, world. so you agree with me on the reptilian overlord thing? You just want to overthrow them? <laughs> I've never been much of a Nintendo fan, but if someone gifted me a Nintendo Switch, I wouldn't decline. What what are you hinting at? <laughs> Listener, if you're out there and you want to send a P.O. Box 8969. This, this isn't a charity. <laughs> well, uh, we'll use our we'll we'll put some Patreon money towards it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it for you later. That, this that month, seems I'm a sure. little bit like misuse of funds, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> Buying luxury goods? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what? It, when you have so much, you know, yeah, money, yeah. it's like absolute power. It corrupts absolutely. <laughs> it's like, you know, my, my Porsche, my Porsche is in the shop. I need to start a GoFundMe because, you know, I can't take <laughs> my money. Get it back to, on the road. Yeah, yeah I got to get it back on the road. Can you guys please help me? <laughs> or no, it's more like, you know, my, my yeah, my Porsche needs a wax. So I'll get, <laughs> I need a wax job on my car. So <laughs> if you'd like to donate, <laughs> click here. <laughs> uh, sometimes I wish I could do that, man. Absolutely. <laughs> But to, to go to go back on the whole Switch thing, um, you know, size of the Switch Lite, great, feels great in your hands. I have massive hands. They're huge because mm-hmm. I'm not a very small guy, and uh, it's very comfortable. Nice. Definitely very comfortable. I would pick it over the other, the you know, the Switch that plugs into the TV. I do like that functionality. I still have my other one. You know, Mario, Mario Party, Mario Kart, when you have friends over, it's nice to plug it into the TV and play those games. Yeah, because historically Nintendo has always been about playing games with your friends, so yeah, it definitely definitely works in that regard. Modding it, however, is an absolute nightmare. It, people do not do it. It's it's kind of a it's a real niche market. Of course, it's a you know current generation system, so the reptilian overlords and their lawyers try very hard to make sure that you can't uh, play without paying, mm-hmm. which is kind of the name of the game when it comes to software modding and hacking. Right? Is Using your system to play backups of games that you actually own. Right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Me and my gigantic Turbo Graphics collection. Yep. You yep. own everything. Like every game I have on my emulators, I definitely, disclaimer, quote, have everything. I own them all. They're all here. That's that's right. I see them right behind yeah, I you. I have to say that. They're so, definitely there. Okay. There is ways, though. To, um, if you have a pre-2019 Switch, there's a way to get an ex- get through an exploit. I, I haven't tried it myself because I don't own one and I don't have the money for them because you, you find a pre-2019 Switch, um, like one of the first release models, it will sell for upwards of $1,000 just because what? you oh can goodness. mod it, right? right. So that, that's what people are looking for is they're looking for these ones that are, it's a special serial number. Hmm. It's before the red box. 
Um, and yeah, I think it was like the first few months of production. And then obviously the internet, they hacked it. I, I can't remember who it was that actually figured out the exploit, but immediately Nintendo got all their factories to halt production and uh, they, they patched it. It was actually a hardware exploit. So if you want to do it now, I believe you can only really do it on... I'm not sure if you can do it on the lar the regular Switch, but I know for sure the Switch Lite is moddable, but you have to buy a chip. Kind of like the old PS1 mod chip thing. Don't know if you guys remember that. Playing burnt games on the PS1, you actually had to solder in a yeah, mod yeah, chip yeah. onto yeah, the board. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing, but way, way, way smaller. So obviously since the Switch is pretty tiny and there's a lot of stuff crammed in there, it's a lot of very intricate soldering. About a $50 mod chip, but... Uh, currently, the reptilian overlords are in a harsh legal battle to get all those production centers shut down that are making those chips. Hmm. So they're they're pretty hard to get. So to answer your question, Moby, you can do it, but it's just a, a huge pain in the ass. And right now, let's let let's just give the reptilian overlords our money to play their Mario games. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's it's more trouble than it's worth, and certainly expensive too. Well, and it's also it. it's also um, as soon as you do something like that, if you go online, say I want to play Animal Crossing with you, and I have a modded Switch, and we can join our islands right away. Nintendo can see that I have a hardware exploit, and will actually permanently ban my house address from connecting to the network. Wow. They will remotely access my system, lock it up ban me, my account, and actually my entire household and IP address from connecting to Nintendo ever again. So oh my goodness. They, they, they're they relentless, man. They don't mess wow. around with that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so not a risk I'm willing to take, right? For now, they get my money. Even if it means paying $80 for uh, Skyrim, which is $10 on the fucking Steam store, that but I still have to spend $80 outrageous. to play it on a handheld. That is outrageous. Uh, no, I'm not salty. I'm not salty at all. One of my favorite games, but I don't want to pay seventy dollars more that I could play it on the on the Steam store. But I don't. We'll never get that logic. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, there's a, there is a big sale for that. It's just going on right now too. Same with the it's for, it's fifty percent off. But yeah. you know, yeah. then it go, I I like physical copies. I'm not gonna buy it digitally. I want the actual game. So I, I guess <laughs> I'm I'm screwed up in that that effect for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm similar to that. I'm similar. I'm like an old man. I want to have my house coat and bubble pipe and peruse the library there's just something games. nice about having a physical copy of something yeah like you said old school i don't know thinking you actually own something and the government doesn't own it maybe a little paranoid who knows <laughs> yeah or, or the you know it's, it's so it can't just disappear into the cloud <laughs> yeah it's all in the cloud yeah, it's all in the yeah. wires you can't actually see it right 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 Okay, that's cool. Well, Leland, do you have any more other questions on this? Uh, no, I thought that was pretty segment. good. All right. Yeah, yeah, me awesome. too. That was super, super interesting. Listener, if you like what you heard, um, one thing I will say about Cat is that uh, on his Facebook, which I do uh, follow, he posts some really good pictures. I'm sure there's more on Instagram, but uh, your photography is pretty cool of your uh, systems. Uh, you kind of promote what you've got new and what's available, so... Yeah, come check me out. And if you want to contact me directly, I can always build you something custom, right? Not just what I have. So even you, Leyland, if you want a special, uh, you know, Game Boy or PSP for when you're taking a shit, you can come talk to me. 
All right. I'll, I'll make it whatever color you want. <laughs> as long as when you turn it on, it goes Kratos. It is yeah. Can it just play me the God of War theme no matter what game I'm playing? <laughs> just constantly? Yeah, yeah, I could probably have that arranged. <laughs> Nothing All is right, impossible. Listener, you heard it there. The quite literal shit edition Game Boy coming to Leland's bathroom soon. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our second segment here, which is Movie Musings, this one called Colors of Insanity. As we are reviewing, I hinted at Nicolas Cage, the Netflix film Colors of Space. So, uh, yeah, this was a Leland suggestion. Yeah. He, he thought it would be kind of a good movie to go through for the show. Right, Leland? That's right. And, of course, this movie is based off of uh, the works of H.P. Lovecraft, of I believe the stories of the same title. Wow, it's almost like you did a little bit of research. My God, almost as if <laughs> that wasn't in the t- titular opening of the movie either. <laughs> <laughs> sir, sir, you defame How me. How dare um, you teach me something? <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we do here, Kat, uh, when we review a film is we basically talk non-spoilery about it uh, for about 10 minutes. Then we give the spoiler warning for anyone that actually cares enough about the movie to um, go pause this, go actually watch it um, and come back. Uh, so, yeah, non, non-spoilery, non let's start. And, um, I mean, because it was your suggestion, Leland, let's maybe... Uh, start with you, uh, maybe some general thoughts about the film, the plot, acting, etc., directing, whatever you want. Okay, um, well, uh, as the the name may imply, the movie's very colorful, <laughs> as of course the <laughs> premise is this asteroid lands in this farmstead, and uh, when it first hit, impacts, it is glowing this strange, unworldly, otherworldly color, uh, and it Basically, that color starts to warp and change reality around it. And uh, it it certainly was very Lovecraftian. I've never read the original story, so I'm not sure how it directly compares to the narrative of it. But I felt like uh, it it was – I think they did a really good job of taking this story from like the late 1800s and making it modern. But still having some of that old world feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, uh, Nicolas Cage's character, his daughter is like a Wiccan or whatever, <laughs> you know, which played into one of the weirdest parts. Or, I, okay, that, I take that back because there's a lot of weird fucking parts in this movie. The entire movie is just absolutely messed right up. Man. It's really, I, really like, weird. I, I, I finished watching it about three hours ago, so it is extremely fresh <laughs> in my brain. And... Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting anything that happened other than, you know, Nicolas Cage's attitude in the whole movie kind of like threw me through a little bit of a roller coaster. I was like, what is this guy an asshole? Is he not an asshole? Like, does he really care about his family or what, what, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, there is a, as the family is getting influenced, you know, by this color, of course, there is kind of the, almost this descent into madness uh, that Nicolas Cage's character goes through. I don't even know what the, I don't even know what his name was. He's the dad. I don't even know what the character's name was. <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't remember either. Just yeah. just dad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into that. And I have certain sayings and certain scenes when we get into kind of the spoilery part. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, in general, just hearing what you guys are saying about it, I, I agree with both of you. I agree with uh, Leland. It was very colorful. Um, I do feel it was in general well acted, but uh, I use this this saying that to describe it was like Chernobyl wasn't fun when it was at low power, which it was moments before it surged in power and blew up. And neither was this movie in Cage's performance that fun in the beginning. Um, because really he was the star of the show, but his character obviously before the shit really hits the fan is pretty subdued. And like, look, he was fine, but subdued Nicolas Cage is a very average actor. Like where he comes into his own is when things start to get crazy and he can kind of introduce his own brand of craziness mm-hmm. into things, which happened. Totally happened. But Oh yeah, but he I went he went full nuts, man. Slow. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think he he wasn't quite full cage as he has been in some other roles in here. I actually felt a little uh disappointed overall with his performance. Uh in general just because like I was I was hoping for full crazy cage. And obviously like that subdued nature of his character in the beginning is part of the story arc and the character change that he goes through throughout the movie and obviously without the subdued dad we don't have the end result based on the influence of this uh, otherworldly color so uh, i don't but i completely agree with you moby like yeah you walk in and you're like oh okay it's nicholas cage what's going on and like i i you know what i i think i would have liked better cuz they make some hints that like his character like they they live on this farm, and I think the farm used to be his father's, and he's inherited it now, and his dad's long dead. So Cage is, uh, you know, almost reluctantly continuing on with this farm. It seemed right. Yeah. And the family, because they're out in the sticks, basically, they're like an hour away from the nearest hospital, and it didn't seem like before the asteroid hit, there was any signs of Cage's character being like already being a little unstable. So it's like all, all of what we see as a result of the color is strictly as a result of the color. Not like not as if it's like bringing out what's actually hidden and buried deep in these characters. You know, yes. I'm I'm going to have to kind of uh, disagree a little bit with that and with the Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry man. Um with just with Cage as general with his character, I don't want to go too deep into it because of the, you know, spoiler alert, but I felt like what little subtle things were dropped about him and his dad, I felt like that whole You thought you felt that was enough? I felt like the abuse and everything was totally like blown up out of proportion because of that whole color thing i feel like it was brought up to the surface and he got almost kind of like like creepy you know okay yeah i yeah i kind of felt like that yeah i can see that i felt they should have built more of that early on like a few scenes or shots could have helped with that um because certainly by the end you know i'm i'm trying to tiptoe around it but you definitely see that his dad was an influence right um, as he, he goes more psychotic. You know, I think I think the problem is, like, with the exception of the color and, and you know, that this is love. Is it a spoiler to even talk about what Lovecraft is or should people know going in? Yeah, at this point, I mean, everyone, you say the word Lovecraftian. I think everyone knows what that is referencing or, or what it's entailed with something like that. 
so the so the author H.P. Lovecraft, his idea always was was that you know normal horror sucked because it's like you know you take a vampire, oh it's a human that thirsts for blood, Frankenstein, oh it's a a dead human that's reanimated, um, you know same thing goes for just a run of the mill zombie. It's like all these scary tropes are just humanoid things that are very relatable to us. And his thought that what is actually terrifying is something that's completely different than life and humanity as we know it. Like the more different something could be, the more scary it is. So he he ended up developing this whole backstory of like these powerful aliens, but they were very unlike us. And so a lot of that goes into things because, you know, the, the asteroid is obviously alien and it's it's warping things around to more reflect itself well it worked on me man it scared the absolute crap out of me watching that so (laughs) oh it absolutely absolutely. works it just made me feel like it was interesting to watch and i wanted to know what was going on but it made me feel incredibly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like through the whole thing Mm -hmm. just because of how out there it was like how different all this was when it was happening okay i mean to your point, Moby, about the efficacy of like Lovecraft's writings in depicting horror, and obviously depict is not the right word there, right? It's not a depiction in his writings. Uh, comes directly comparing that to an actual depiction of what we're getting on screen here. I think there's something that gets lost in translation because obviously it's it's a you know a very common uh, saying. Uh, when it comes to horror, is that the scariest thing is the viewer's imagination. And most of the time, what you show eventually on screen never lives up to the watcher's imagination. So yeah, because of Lovecraftian's works, it's all about the unfathomable and the the unexplainable and the unknowable. Like you literally can't even imagine these cosmic horrors because there's nothing in any world that you've ever experienced that could come anywhere close to being able to relate to them like you say and then we see influences of this color in the movie which are of course horrible but still relatable there's even a line from one of the main characters the hydrologist who apparently is proficient in every type of science out there <laughs> as I, I don't know what a hydrologist being a hydrologist entails but he at one point he says this line wow that looks like radiation burns so we're seeing this effect of this color that he directly relates to something that in our world that to me something there is lost in translation right I feel like we should jump into spoilers pretty quick here so we can kind of talk about things we really want to talk about. So, but what I would say at this point is I'll ask each of you, you know, assuming listener has Netflix, uh, would you recommend Colors of Space? Yes, no, or conditionally on, you know, something or other? Well, I I would say if you, uh, if you really like Stranger Things and it got you fucking going, you should definitely watch this. Like it's kind of got a little bit of that vibe, um, you know, especially with the color and a little bit of the grotesque, like, Oh shit, what's going on here? I, I, I loved it. I know I'm a huge sci-fi guy. I watch a lot of 
basically every sci-fi show or series that goes on Netflix, I watch it. And I had no idea about this until you guys suggested it. And yes, it did kind of mess me right up and I'm probably going to have some weird nightmares about it, but I, (laughs) I enjoyed watching it to a point. I was kind of screaming at the screen. Like, why are you going there? Why are you doing that? (laughs) That's a bad idea, (laughs) but yeah, it was good. I'd recommend it for sure. What about you there, Leland? Hi. Yeah, I would say absolutely watch it. For me, the pacing felt very off uh, on the movie. As like I got, there was a point where I'm like, "Hey, okay, we're 30 minutes in, and like this is already happening. Like something was happening, and it was great. It was happening as early as it was. But then there was like another 25 minutes where nothing happened, and then we ramp back up into all the crazy shit that's going on. So for for me, that felt strange. And it's, this is a two hour movie too, so. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to have to hop in and agree with you on the whole pacing thing. It definitely yeah. felt like it was hopping around and you were getting into what's happening with this crazy meteor. And then all of a sudden they go back to regular life for a while Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. hop back. Yeah. So I agree. I have to agree. Well, what do you say? Recommend? Yeah, I am a conditional. I'm a conditional because I would say if sci-fi horror appeals to you, yes, for sure. It was probably the movie, the best way I could describe it when I thought about it was Stranger Things crossed with the 1982 version of the thing. <laughs> okay. Um, that okay. was the feel that I got. But with that comes, the, the the show is disturbing. It is, it has some very grotesque imagery, as we've said, gory in- imagery, violence. Like, I'm not trying to be, you know, some old mom or something like that, but it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I mean, it, it actually killed my appetite. Uh, watching it was good because I needed to diet, but uh, my appetite was killed with all the gore and grossness and stuff hey, but, like that. But Tommy it. Chong was in there, so he, he was. <laughs> he was. Uh, that totally took me off guard. I was like, "Holy shit, is that Chong?" And of course, he's That's a hippie. Chong. Of course. That's Chong. Just chilling in the photo hut. As long as you can get past that whole kind of gore, gross out uh stuff in it um yes i would say absolutely if you like nick cage having a decent performance not his best but certainly not his worst uh then i would say yes um so yeah not everybody's cup of tea but i think most listener here it would be their their cup of tea so okay let's let's blow this open into spoilers Spoilers. boys spoilers spoilers so Um, One thing I want to start on is I actually felt that the show had a pretty good understated sense of humor. Something I laughed out loud was when, now I was probably the first to watch it, so I probably forget the most about it, but it was when there was like the first attack on the house and the little boy is like mute and his mom goes like, you know, we got to take him to the hospital and Cage just goes, no, hospital is an hour away. It's like yeah. your son is like totally fucked yeah, he psychologically just, he just or totally physically, got messed and now up. he's a dad. He's like, no, no, I'd rather stay at home drinking. No, I don't. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> That's a long like, drive. It had exactly, and it had like several instances of subtle humor like that 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 I totally got and was like laughing out loud. Um, so I don't know if you boys picked up on that. That, that's kind of my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because, well, I mean, right at the end of that scene, because, yeah, the kid was near catatonic. And she, like, picks him up and goes to put him to bed. 
She's like, oh, you'd rather just sit there and do that? He's got a scotch in his hand. He's like, well, uh, nothing else, nothing better to do. Like, don't <laughs> he's see like, he's like, like seeing so, yeah. the circumstances, like, what else am <laughs> exactly, I going to do but drink exactly. this scotch? But, like, you know? I think all those instances, is it's the color's influence, right? Mm. It's supposed right. to be, is it not? Right? Yeah. I, I feel like that, like, what I touched on earlier, Leland, was the whole... Yeah. I think that that's bringing out like his obviously at the end of the movie, I've come to realize that his dad obviously drank a lot of fucking whiskey and beat the crap out of him. That's what I got from that. And I feel like the colors made him start to do that same thing, especially with that scene near the end where he locks his daughter in the room with the mutant oh spider mom God. kid. Feed like, your feed mother. Her. Mom. And she just like, her, her spindly arms come out and she starts shouting in her face. I was like, holy oh, shit. Like, what is disgusting. going on with Honestly, this? Honestly, yeah, the most gross. disgusting, like the final transformation wasn't, it was gross, but it wasn't as bad as when, because the mom and the kid get fused, right? They get hit with that blast yeah. of the color out of the barn. And they literally get stuck together, and they're like one like groaning. They can't oh, barely and, talk. And that that could wasn't the big thing for me. The stuck together, but while they were stuck together, they were just consistently like moaning and groaning. Yeah. And I was like, "Holy so shit, gross. man! I'm gonna puke! Like that's disgusting." I, uh, and then there's the one part where, when they're so up in the attic, and Cage like can't shoot them can't finish them off with a shotgun and he's like getting down there like kissing his wife all the time and she's like this oh yeah she's, and they're yeah and so like there's slime there's slime coming off of it like yeah, it's purple disgusting. like yeah. the color sheen but like the the color of her skin is so gray and she's like it's disgusting yeah it messed me right <laughs> up man disgusting. like that's gonna it's gonna stay on my mind for a body while. horror body like, horror. everything that happened on that yeah but you're right, Moby. There was a lot of humor that I enjoyed, like right at the one of the opening scenes when they're having dinner, and of course, so so Cage's wife is uh, just uh, is recovered from. Uh, I think she just it was a mastectomy, right? I, she had breast yeah, cancer. Yeah. Yes, it was. And like he's pulling up the <laughs> the the pot full of whatever he's making. He's like, "It's a melange of duck, pork, and spiced vegetables. Please enjoy." It's like <laughs> that's pretty yeah. funny. I mean, yeah, like there's funny moments in this movie. I mean, obviously Cage has the best performance. Like every time, like when he goes into that voice where he's mimicking his dad. Like you say, Cat, we hear him mimicking his dad to his wife as he's reminiscing and bringing up how much of a prick he was, and then. Throughout the movie, you can tell when he's devolving because he starts to use that. He's doing the same voice. thing. Yeah, like he's the, doing the same it's almost voice. like a Boston like accent. It's know? so weird. And and he started. It's it's very obnoxious. And yeah, it's I, so I, when obnoxious. he started doing that, I was like, what? Like, what are you doing? It was yeah, almost like, like kind comical, of but kind of terrifying. Yeah, uh, I love it when he's like he gets in a spat with his daughter outside the barn. He's like, well, just get. Why don't you just get the fuck out of my face? No, how about I'll do you a favor? I get the fuck out of your eyes! And then he just, like, storms <laughs> He just off. beelines it to the house, right? Like, what was that? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. There's, I mean, the acting's pretty good in it. It was hard to tell whether or not that was actually, like, he was stressed out and that was the way he was because there was no lead-up yeah. to his character. True. Or if it was the color. Like, you had no idea. Was he always this much of an asshole or... It, you you'd had no like beginning scenes showing them in their old life saying like right. what was happening before he moved up there. What I liked about that the most was as the movie progressed, it got more and more difficult to tell when Cage's character came out of that when he right. got back to normal, quote unquote. <laughs> 
I like that. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just felt like his character was a good anchor because he was, you know, obviously psychologically affected by the color, but he was the least physically affected of all the what family. What is that awful smell? What is that smell? Yeah. It's like, it smells like <laughs> shit. Like, why does everything smell like this? That that was the only thing that really, that's what I saw affected him was the smell. And from like the moment the asteroid hits, I made a note of this. I put like time 60 question mark. From the moment the asteroid hits, Cage keeps telling his family it's going to be okay. It's going to be a-okay. <laughs> yeah, it's going to, it's like a running joke. Like it's to the point that yeah. like. Like, the trees are killing people, and they're pink, and his house is warping. That's going to be okay. It's all fine. No problem. His son and daughter fused together. He's like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's, it's all fine. Okay. Yeah, everyone's dead, but it's fine. We're all fine. Yeah. It's okay. Well, then we learn, of course, that that smell that apparently no one else can smell is, like, reminding Cage's character of, like, the cancer war that his dad died in or whatever. I know. They like just kind of threw disgusting. that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, was kind of weird. I think they do that, they do that a lot because there's a lot of dialogue delivery that is also exposition, but doesn't feel like we're getting exposition. So I liked a lot of that. So I, liked, right. so I think a lot. Of, I think all of the dialogue uh, was really well written. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree yeah. with you. It was a pleasant surprise. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. When I watched the first 10 minutes of the movie, I was like, man, this is going to be a fucking snooze fest. Like... What is going on here with this fake Wiccan and and this hydrologist? To touch on the hydrologist, talk about a guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) Like, absolutely. And then he survives at the end, you know, and he's just sitting there smoking a cigarette looking at the dam. Like, I I thought that was a little weird. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, his character was was definitely the foil because like the whole family to a degree, maybe not the oldest son that much, but the, the whole family was really weird. And this hydrologist hydrologist is like the only person in the town who's like, maybe it might be smart to drink boiled water <laughs> or not go here or notice that like, there's like a whole subplot animals. with the mayor wanting to buy their attract of land, which ultimately ended up being the yeah. site for this new hydro dam. Which, uh, that wasn't really touched on all, all that much, really. Uh, I don't know. This this movie was kind of interesting. Again, I think it really, for me, the biggest flaw for it was just the pacing of it. I just, I couldn't get my head around how suddenly we'll mm. get so much weird shit happening and then, like, nothing. It was really yeah. weird. I, I, I'll agree with you on that again. It just hopped. Like, it, the, it was getting fired up and weird shit was happening and then it would just completely stop. Yeah. And go back to regular life. And yeah, it was a little hard to kind of keep my eyes on because like, oh shit, so like all this stuff isn't happening anymore. We're back to regular life in the town. Like when uh, the hydrologist goes to talk to the mayor and the cops, like it's just nothing except for in that small area of that farm is nothing's happening. Yeah, exactly. Ah, but then the cop gets killed by a killer tree. So eventually <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, that was random I, I thought away. i was like okay so it's mutating animals it's mutating people but we don't see any tree mutation until that one scene this tree's like all right stabbed you picking yeah. you up gonna one gouge your throat tree. out like just one tree does that uh, that is true that is true i was like what when did this turn into evil dead <laughs> you know it was like yeah by the end the mutations were happening so quickly it it was really hard to kind of keep track of things mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, like, the, the special effects. Like, you're constantly being assaulted with, like, light. 
like light oh, yeah. and sparkly things, and it was like almost like straining the, my like eyes. Like the Michael Bay lens flare, man, like all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that was something. I, like obviously, that was they did that on purpose. There was a lot of times. There was a lot of like frames of of the movie that were like blurred in this weird outline with the light. I guess the color, you know, getting into every like color was literally shapes reality, right? I mean, that's what it's doing. It, it, there was a scene where it kind of fucked with time, where he tried to go get out to the car. He's, yeah, the the car's not happening. <laughs> like, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's really right. weird. You you know what though? I have to say about the ending, I still don't understand how. Like, if this was an alien, you know, force that's coming down to the world and it's doing all this stuff, why did it just blow itself up? Like, it just all of a sudden annihilated the whole area after it had taken over so much and was assimilating like yeah. the land basically and then all of a sudden out of nowhere it just hits like breaking point and it explodes i don't know is that like that. supposed to be it taking back off into space or something i'm that's that's actually how i took it is that it, it warped to the point that it could like consume everything in this area and warp well you could kind of see like and you could kind of see out of the well there was like a like a vortex going up into a wormhole in space i saw that and i thought like what is happening here are they going back home or are they pulling more of these crazy mind benders down to earth but i guess maybe yeah like like uh moby said there maybe they just had assimilated enough energy to go back home and that's what they're doing that's what I got in that, you know, because they didn't want anyone to know about it or find the residue. They put that dam there and it flooded the whole area. Mm-hmm. And so then hydrologist is checking on the dam. Yeah. It didn't make much sense to me about how him and that entire vortex wasn't sucked away or whatever. And is it does it really come down to him just not drinking the water? I mean, it can't oh, be that simple. That's interesting. I don't know. Well, you know what, he, everyone had been ingesting the water, being covered in the water, and he had definitely, as soon as he knew something was up, he stopped, right? And so there was no hold, like he wasn't cut by any of them, like nothing had entered his body, right? He hadn't really been exposed. Meanwhile, the whole family is at home, drinking the water, being close to the well, but he has been kind of booping around, doing whatever, trying to figure out what's going on so he hadn't been exposed as much so you know leland might be right maybe he just didn't yeah he just didn't get yeah he was still like pure or something like under the influence of the, okay yeah, yeah, that's what i was go. looking for he yeah, wasn't yeah, under yeah. the influence of the alien creatures so you could see his body kind of being morphed and pulled into that vortex but he was fighting it and then yeah. he just hid just right. hid in the cellar and was hmm. able to resist it before it exploded i guess because he, he didn't go crazy, right? The whole time, he was level-headed. Yeah. Even, what's her name? One. The Wiccan was, like, cutting her face up and shit. Yeah, and oh, man. Like, oh, that, I want, watching that, I was like, oh, my God. Like, she just Ugh. starts cutting things into her face and her hands. Yeah. and It didn't do anything for her. No, didn't do anything. Didn't save anybody. They're all dead now, so. Wiccan is not true, listener. <laughs> learn, learn, learn that stuff. <laughs> I know you're tempted, listener, to be become a Wiccan, but... Uh... Shall we rate? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. We got a rate. Uh, so, Kat, we rate out of 10. So, with 10 being the best, which you, you feel the movie is. So, kind of, fi- you know, just give your, when it's your turn, give, you know, a couple final thoughts if you have them. And uh, give the rating. We kind of go round table. Do you want to start? Yeah, sh- I'll, sure. I'll start. I, at the end of the day, it was a good view. 
it is my kind of shit, you know, the sci-fi horror. But as I think about it, despite, you know, some decent visuals and the fact that, uh, as, as Leland alluded to, it had pretty good writing. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 in that it's forgettable. It was good, but forgettable. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. I certainly won't purchase it on Blu-ray or anything like that. But uh, yeah, for me, 7 out of 10, average, worth a couple hours if you haven't seen it and you like this kind of stuff. Cool. Um, I'll go next. I I was originally thinking like a 6, but I mean, I, I, I'll bump it to a 6.5. There's some cool parts. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of body horror. And, uh, yeah, that sci-fi stuff, I like a lot of what you like, Moby. Like we said before, in the non-spoiler section, like, I I definitely would recommend watching it. You might uh, get more than what I got out of it, but just, like, this, the, the pacing of it really threw it off. I was just expecting or hoping for – I don't know what I expected, but I was hoping for more. I was hoping for that truest Cage performance, um, right. but we didn't quite get there. So six and a half for me. All right, well, I would say, uh, yeah, probably about a six for me. Um, you know, I, I do like those sci-fis, so I would say, yeah, watch it if you have time. But for me, I, I like it when they explain what's going on and dive more into the origin of the alien or the sci-fi thing that's happening. And with this movie, they really didn't. It was just a shock, horror, scare, and then it was completely over. You know, you never found out what was actually happening other than the few things that were brought up in dialogue. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be buying that on Blu-ray. I don't own a Blu-ray player, so Moby <laughs> definitely won't be doing that. Um, and I won't be re-watching it 35 times like I watched Guardians of the Galaxy. So, All right. Well, uh, you know, I was thinking that I was going to be low again like I usually am, but we're all kind of around there. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's above average, right? It ain't no national treasure, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much uh, for joining us, Kat. Why don't you go ahead and give uh, some plugs, give all your plugs again or anything you want to shout out, uh, all of which, of course, I will put in the show notes for the episode. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I've got uh, two pages, one on Facebook, one on Instagram, both at CatmanMods. Um, and yeah, if you, you can always shoot me a message on, um, Facebook, I reply to that pretty quick, uh, through my page. If you want something custom or just keep an eye out for the stuff that I come up with. Awesome. Awesome. That's Thank great. you very much for having me guys. It's been a blast. You're very welcome. You did a great job. It was, uh, two really good segments. I probably colors of insanity was a little better than we thought. We thought the <laughs> first one was going to be fully loaded, but, uh, yeah, I've been Moby. Uh, well, I'll get our end of show stuff before oh, we oh, quickly shoot. run. Oh, I, shoot. Is this the second time in a row? <laughs> well, I well, we're, we're, you're under a time crunch here. you got about 10 minutes before you got to get out of here. I am, yes. But our end of show stuff, uh, our website is ttpopcast.com. We're on Facebook. Uh, we are on Instagram as well. There's some written content, again, for all our show notes and all the links for Cat and all the Catman custom mods. We'll be there. I've been Leland Steele. <laughs> I've been Moby. And I'm Kat, I guess. Hello. Yes, you are. (laughs) You certainly are. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.